Oh, absolutely. I, I wasn't going to go out and pay $30 for a deck. I was going to spend $500 to make my own. Welcome to the Finger Space Podcast, a weekly show where we will dive deep into the history, stories, and controversies surrounding the fingerboarding community. Welcome to the Finger Space Podcast. I'm your host, Nostalgia FB, and we are excited to be chatting with Jason from Level Up. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button on your streaming platform of choice. This show is sponsored by Fingerspace Co., which provides fingerboard gear for riders of all skill levels and budgets. Thanks for coming on the show, Jason. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to meet you too, man. So, like you just mentioned off camera, you said you've you've listened to a couple of the episodes. So you know, the first question that we'd like to ask all the guests that we get on is how did you hear about and get into fingerboarding? Yes, fingerboarding has, I guess, taken three stages of my life, starting as far back as Tech Tech first coming out, seventh grade, eighth grade, playing with them in school. That all got put away later on, junior year of high school, probably when I started getting into playing music instead. That was my primary hobby. It was never a part of my life again until after I had my son. So when he was about one years old, started playing with Matchbox cars, and that was 2013. <laughs> my my box of Matchbox cars also had all of my Tech Deck ramps, all of my old Tech Decks. Everything just came flooding back of uh, of nostalgia for that. So I took it all out, started messing around with it again. And uh, thank you to the internet, uh, I found out that fingerboarding was a thing. Man, I, I want to ask before we get into you know the all the, the juicy details of you discovering the internet and your fingerboarding scene, what was it like originally when you started fingerboarding with, you know, tech decks? What, what was that environment like for you? It was mostly playing with the original tech decks that I had, original tech deck ramps on my bed or bringing it to school. I was never a part of anything with uh, tech deck online, with it being so early with, uh, with the internet, like 2000, 2001. I know that looking back now, there's there's a lot that had gone on and a lot of information that was shared, but the, the most that I ever did was customize a deck by taking a lighter to the nose and tail, bending it up so it was like wall kicks and putting on a, a piece of grip tape, slapping a graphic with paper and nail polish. Nice. I, I think that modifying a board with a lighter seems like every deck maker or company owner that we've talked to did that when they first started out. So I feel like that's a telltale sign of... Uh, greatness in the fingerboarding scene somehow everybody knew about it without knowing that we all knew about it it's like uh pokemon with mew being behind the truck everyone knew that mew was behind the truck you couldn't get it but it had to be man it's so strange that's great so in 2013 you found this box of old toys matchbox cars and tech decks and your old ramps and you found the fingerboarding scene what was your first interaction with the quote-unquote scene um i know you said you found it on the internet but what was that like it was a rabbit hole of forums that I was not a part of and couldn't get into without getting approved for and YouTube videos, mostly trying to figure out how to modify a tech deck turned into, wow, tech deck really isn't important anymore because now there are fingerboards that are so much better out there. And, and that just sent uh, everything spiraling downward into how far can I get into this because I have so much ground to cover in such little time. <laughs> and so you did did you did it become a little bit of a, an obsession 
Oh, absolutely. I, I wasn't going to go out and pay $30 for a deck. I was going to spend $500 to make my own freaking deck. Oh, no. is the stupidest <laughs> thing that you could do. But, yeah. you know, it, it was something that I wanted to do as a hobby. At, at that point, I was 26. And it's like, okay, I don't really have that much disposable income. I've got a kid now. But if I can take something that was so fun when I was younger and bring it back, he's going to use the Matchbox cars on the ramps. So if I'm going to be playing around on the floor, you know I'm going to be using the tech decks on the ramp. That's nice, especially to be able to share that with your son. All right, so if you went down the road of wanting to make your own boards, I'm kind of curious, how long was it until you got a quote-unquote actual fingerboard? I started out with uh, a gator mold was the first stuff that I was messing around with. Those were super cheap to get started. My father-in-law, we were living at my in-laws at the time, he had a wood shop down there, so... Realistically, I just had to get something to mold a deck in. So right off the bat with a, with a gator mold, I was good to go with a deck a month, maybe a couple of tries, and I had something that resembled a fingerboard. And then uh, from there, I, I saw all of the, uh, the Bondo molds for making your own. And it was like, okay, instead of putting out a deck that anybody could buy and make, let's actually craft something myself and that was a headache and a half and three molds later and I was not happy with that. So then it came to having to find an NFB mold and get on the list for uh, a professional mold. And and just like that, these things naturally progress. And this is the start of Level Up as we know it today. And and that was the beginning of Level Up. I just wanted to make a couple decks for myself. And I saw what other people were making. And, you know, split plies were big at the time. So I started making some split plies, selling those through FFI and... Uh, Oh, what's the other one? Uh, the the main two forums. What was it? It was FFI and there was another one that was uh, more the, popular. The, uh, the UK one. And the, yeah, I was going to say the European circuit. Yeah. Or, um, and I feel bad because I didn't even use FFI that much. That's just the one that sticks in my head. Yeah, FFI, Fingerboard yeah. HQ. Um, FBHQ, yep. That's the yeah. one I was using mostly. Mostly FBHQ. Yeah, and FBHQ had such a great following and you could get a bunch of stuff reviewed on there and people were always commenting always uh you know great with criticism so that that really pushed me a lot to uh continue with the fingerboarding community as a whole once i once i got into it that's awesome so it really just sounds like you had a uh, a natural take to this starting as a hobby making boards progressing your craft really gaining attraction through your work yeah i've always been someone who wants to make something rather than just buy something or do something. So if if I can invest in tools, if I can invest in supplies and I can spend my time putting my hands to use in, in that regard, it just kind of fell into my lap that I was going to now sell these things instead of making them for myself. Well, that's really cool. Did you ever buy a fingerboard from another company? Is that a curiosity? Uh, I think the first professional fingerboards that I had were through trades. I think the first trade that I did was with Pure, which has long since been gone, but he made some of some of the nicest fine detail split plies, excellent sanding, great uh, clear coat to it. And that's one of my prized possessions that I've held onto for a very long time. That's awesome. Do you ride your own decks most of the time? Yes, mostly I'll be riding my own deck. Uh, I have one Wub that was a present from uh, Johnny over at Vaudeville. Usually th- those are the two that I keep with me if I'm putting in a little carrying case. is uh, my own deck or, or the Wub. Level Up today is a 
substantial fingerboard company in the scene. You have a different array of products that you've done, but I would argue the most popular thing that you're known for is the the bushings, the beta bushings. Yes, which is kind of ridiculous because I make them at my dining room table, taking up approximately three feet by three feet, always. So whenever we want to sit down for dinner, it's like, hey, can you move this business off of the table so we can actually sit down as a family? So yeah, it's uh, it's become a lot more than a hobby, it's, uh, more of a side business. My actual job is uh, an overnight shift as a 911 dispatcher. So I, I work midnight to 8 a.m., come home, take care of my daughter and my son's at school. I'll throw some bushings in and then, you know, pack orders, go about my day. But Le Level Up has always been a, a side hustle, a side hobby, and now it has just become the entirety of my free time. Well, first of all, thank you uh, for your service. My brother was uh, was an EMT for a while, so I know dispatching is, is a really, really hard, tough, physical and emotional job. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know what the what the job is mostly like if your brother was an EMT as far as uh, working weird shifts and sleeping weird hours. Yeah. So total props and respect. So you have this more side business. I mean, that's a natural thing, isn't it? Where the hobby kind of turns more into a side business as you gain, gain more, more traction and more success and people want uh, your, your product is desired more and more. Yeah, I, I wanted to fill up my spare time with something that uh, meant something to me. I could sit around and play video games all the time, but uh, the fingerboarding was something that was exciting to me. I, I liked following up with what was going on in the community and then making the deck. When I saw an opportunity to, to make the bushings, I, I jumped on it because I didn't really see anything going on that was of the caliber that I wanted bushings to be. And so are you trying to fill this, this hole in the market as you see it? How did you get started with making the bushings? Because making boards, you know, it's kind of, it's all over the place. It's pretty obvious. Not a lot of people talk about making bushings other than the, oh, the scandal of rubber band bushings, as we all know it. But other than that, high quality bushings like you make, pretty much you're the one. Thank you. I, it's funny you say rubber band bushings because my original tech decks actually had folded rubber bands shoved on the, on the trucks as bushings because there was really nothing back then for anything. I had experience uh, in college with uh, urethane and silicone. I was doing uh, technical theater, prop making, the sound and audio and uh, lighting. So I, I had some experience with mold making and silicone from there. And it, it was a matter of trying to find the right silicone or urethane to be used as a bushing while also figuring out how to get a mold made for bushings. I used FreeCAD as a program on my Windows XP computer and thanks to YouTube learned how to do some easy 3D modeling and found a local machine shop where I knew somebody that was working there and I could, you know, give him the file and he could get it made into whatever I needed. That's nice. So, but it, it definitely took uh, your, your expertise and education to help you out and to figure it out. Yeah, there's really nothing out there for how to make fingerboard bushings. And if you don't try and look past what you want to make into more of the scope of what, what realm of craftsmanship is this that I can then adapt into making bushings. I think that's where the difficulty is with, with people that didn't really know where to start. Yeah. Yeah, I found the I found the same problem very early on trying to find veneer, good veneer to use. 
I remember looking at uh, one of the old forums and somebody had posted a picture of a fingerboard on this woodworking forum. And the guy's like, is that a little skateboard? What are you doing? <laughs> uh, but no, I, I see what you're saying. That's actually a really good way to look at things. Because, you know, even though fingerboarding is so big to us, it's not like it's a huge market. Yeah, most of the time, if you pull one out in the wild, people are like, what are you doing? And why is that tech deck so wide? I tell you, I just went to um, a little pop-up event here locally the other day, and it was um, in conjunction with a skateboard event that was going on. And even the skaters came out, and they're like, what is that? Like, this is skateboarding at your table. This is skateboarding inside your house. This is what we do. Yeah, and then some of them scoffed, and then some of them were like, give me that. I really want to try it. <laughs> so the brand itself, Level Up, a very catchy name. Why did you go with that? What inspired you to go with Level Up? Level Up was my decision to stop playing video games and instead to start doing something constructive with my spare time. I could easily put in hours playing Call of Duty or Borderlands or whatever, and the level progression system was like what always kept me coming back for more. So I named the company Level Up. Instead, now it was my idea to progress with my deck making or progress with uh, my products or even just progress with my ability to fingerboard, just something else to do, give myself small goals and uh, try and move up from there. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Or were you a big gamer way back yonder? Oh man, Tony Hawk, one, two, three, four, all, all the Tony Hawks. That, that's what really got me into finger skateboarding with, with Tech Decks was Tony Hawk Pro Skater. That was like, okay, now I really think skateboarding is cool. So I, I started following skate culture. And I think Tech Decks at the time was like, wow, this is a way that you could skateboard without actually knowing how to skateboard yeah that pretty pretty much and one of the things i love most about fingerboarding and i have this conversation every once in a while with different people it's like it provides that outlet for some people that also physically cannot skateboard due to injuries due to whatever reasons um you know it's it's one of those things and it, it's it's a satisfaction of real fingerboarding at least i or real skateboarding excuse me at least i think so Absolutely. You can set up a skate spot pretty much anywhere. You can live in the middle of nowhere with no skate park anywhere around you. And instead, you can build one in your house. As long as you're having fun doing it, then, you know, hopefully it scratches that itch. So with you growing this hobby more into a business and having to to run things, uh, I don't want to say more professionally, but I think you, you get what I'm kind of getting at. What's been one of the struggles you've faced through the growth and the progression? I think the biggest thing is um, time and allotment of time to be able to dedicate to it. When when I'm making bushings, I can get a load of bushings in and I know that my molds are occupied for two hours. So I do whatever I need to do around the house or things that I've got to get done in general. But now I'm a slave to coming back and getting those bushings out and then trying to get another load in. So throughout the day, maybe I'll get three batches of bushings in. but I'm always having to come back and get those in, get those moved to the next point. So now my free time is less about doing what I want to do and more about what do I need to do for the business. And it's not that I don't want to make the bushings. It's that I don't have the freedom to be like, hey, I don't really need to do anything today because I got to get orders out or I got to uh, try and promote something or I got to get my stock up or whatever else I need to do for the business. It seems like that is my number one priority in my free time. And it's something that I kind of brought upon myself, but it definitely progressed a lot further than I had ever dreamed of it in the beginning. 
I see. And let me ask you, for what you do for a profession, do you do you like your job, what you do? Because you do very important work. Yes, I, I do. Um, I came from working in a school. I went to college for elementary education. I was working in elementary school for two and a half years as a building sub. Once we had my son, uh, I, I could no longer work for whatever they were paying, I think like $90 a day, you know, it was $50 a day for daycare. There's no way that's going to work. And um, being a dispatcher on a midnight shift allowed me to cover childcare throughout the day. I could still have a full-time job at night. When my wife came home, I'd go to sleep. So as far as the job goes, it's been, it's been a godsend. It's really the only way that we would have been able to uh, make it as a family to have two incomes and still be able to have kids. It's one of those things that, especially with the adults and, and the fingerboarding scene, I don't think people realize that a lot of us do have full-time jobs and careers that we love, but we also have this other hobby or side business um, that we love as well. And trying to split the time is the, the biggest struggle. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is uh, social media right now. It, you have to be so on top of it, especially if you're trying to grow your brand. I've been coasting with my Instagram for two years now. I have no idea why anybody still follows me. I don't put I don't put anything on there. I don't post uh, about the bare minimum absolutely on Instagram. I, I try and like pictures that I'm tagged in, but I can easily see that the amount of time and effort now to grow a brand to where I am now with uh, with Level Up would just take an immeasurable amount of time that I, I know I don't have. It's that balance, but it's... Well, you know what? When you said I don't, you don't know why nobody still follows you, it's because you do great work and you're a good person. That's why people still follow you. Thank you. And now that we all know that you do a very, very important job, we all understand. I try and keep up at the times. Man, so with running this brand, with running Level Up, has that changed your perspective on the overall scene at all? Because it's kind of, were you ever really just a fingerboarder? Or has you, you've been kind of running this the entire time through different stages, like you said. I think uh, being a fingerboarder was the gateway that led into making level up but i've definitely been a company longer than i've been just a fingerboarder i would say maybe it was the first year that i was back into fingerboarding that i really wasn't making anything that was mostly back into tech decks and then you know realizing that i could make decks and it, it wasn't a thought to to make a company out of it it was a thought to hey i'll just mess around with making decks because it seems like a fun side thing to do i've already got the tools so as far as fingerboarding my fingerboarding has suffered ever since I've uh, been a popular company, I guess you would say. Well, once I started getting my, my product into other uh, distributors and spending more time making product, I've definitely not fingerboarded nearly as much as I wish. Yeah, ain't that the truth? I, I really I know where you're coming from there. Definitely, because you're, you're a one-man show. You know, you have to do it all. Yep, solo mio. So, second to last question for you. What is your favorite piece of fingerboard gear and what does it mean to you my favorite piece that i own you know what doesn't have, i don't think it specifically has to be that you own it or a part specifically it could be a part specifically okay i would say my favorite piece oh, i have so many cool and unique things my favorite piece is a bench that was made by charlie buzzard narwood narshings he, he was making them out of skateboard, and I, I know he only released a few of them, and that's one of my favorite benches to, uh, to skate. Nice. Do you have any 
pictures of it anywhere where we can we can take a look at it? Uh, I think there's one on my Instagram. It's gonna be from years ago. So I want I'd love to check it out. Yeah, uh, it was it was a cut up skateboard turned into a uh, a fingerboard bench, and it's it's kind of like I I like it because it's meta. Nice. So. I know you're a very busy individual, like you said. I, I don't want to take any more of your precious time. But the last question that I have for you is for that individual, for that little boy, girl, man, woman, non-binary pal listening to this, that wants to kind of follow the footsteps and be the next level up in you know the future 10 years from now, what's, what's the biggest piece of advice that you would give them? 10 years from now, hit me up. You can buy my molds off me. <laughs> oh man okay I'll, i know what i'll be doing in 10 years um, i'll be i'll be 44 in 10 years i have i have no idea what i'll be doing um if people want to contribute something to the fingerboard scene i think the the most important thing is find something that you're passionate about if you want to make something with your hands and you like working with wood great make decks if you like working with computer programs and you want to get into 3D printing, great, get into 3D printing. There's so much crazy stuff coming out now that uh, I couldn't have even imagined five years ago when, when I first started getting into making bushings. I think right now there's an abundance of information within the fingerboard scene. It's not as collected as it was when it was on the, the forums. But it's all out there as long as you put in the time looking for it and you put in the effort making it. There is always another spot in the scene for another company that's making something as long as it's unique. Very, very true. Very well said. Jason, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time and thank you for your knowledge. Thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Of course, man. Until the next one, take care, stay safe, and... uh yeah, dude. Let's just let's just keep having fun with it. Thank you. Hit me up anytime. Of course, man. It was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finger Space Podcast. Thanks for skating by, and don't forget to nosebonk that subscribe button and dark slide on over to our Discord server. This episode was produced by Finger Space Co. and hosted by Nostalgia FB. Big thanks to all guests and listeners.